So um, my name's Graham. I've been a Baptist minister for about 30 years. Um, and my, the start of my journey in that was to um, go and live in inner city Manchester while I was training to be a minister. And I learned a huge amount from Bible college and all the placements I did. Um, but it was also um, a complete culture change uh, for me. My family um, living in the um, part of Manchester with the worst reputation at, at the time and growing to, to love it. Um, so I, I went expecting to go and go back to a place like Watford, where, is, where I came from, a nice middle-class town, and instead said, I, I want to do urban ministry, and that's what I've done for 30 years. Um, so having told God that I wouldn't go to London, um, I went back to London, <laughs> and uh, I've learned not to tell God that now, um, and to a, a council estate called The World's End, um, which is in Chelsea. Um, and it's a bizarre place because it's a group of very poor people with a big wall around them separating them from a group of very rich people. Um, I spent 10 wonderful years there and um, then moved to, to Derby and I'll tell you that story a bit later. Um, so my first story is actually from, um, from London and the World's End Estate. It's okay, I hadn't switched it on. There we go. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask you a question in a moment once I've told you the story of, of David Rees. Um, so David um, grew up, um, his, his, he never knew his dad. His mum was uh, worked for the circus um, and he barely went to school because of that. So by the time he was 15, he was uneducated, um, homeless, sleeping on a street, um, became a drug addict. Um, and had a horrible life for years and years and years. About 10 years later, he started um, meeting Christians who started showing lots of kindness to him. And um, he managed to, to break the, um, the drug addiction, which was amazing. But like lots of people do, he replaced it with alcohol. And to the end of his life, he never quite conquered that entirely. Um, but he did go for very long periods of time of not drinking at all. Um, and then finally he started going through the homeless system in London, which I reckon um, the fastest you could possibly do that is two years. And at every stage, if you mess things up, um, if you start drinking again, um, if you don't pay your rent or whatever, you just go back to square one. So I met David at the point where he finally got his own flat, which was just around the corner from... Uh, the church at World's End. And um, he started coming to church, and um, he was an, an amazing man, and um, he started asking very occasionally to borrow money. Now, I have a thought-through policy on that that I can talk about another time, but, but basically I don't give people money. I do everything else for them. But occasionally you just have that thing that the Holy Spirit puts in your mind. If David asks, then just do it. So I used to lend him 10 or 15 pounds, and then he always came back a week later, um, and pay me back, and usually insisted on paying interest that I would put in the, in the church. <laughs> okay. um, and then I got a phone call from his housing officer saying that there was a problem, and I was invited to a crisis meeting about his tenancy, and basically the family that lived below him had complained about the people that David was bringing back to his flat, and we went through a long description about, um, about what he was doing, and it turned out that the people he was bringing back were, were often homeless, sometimes they had been drinking and so on, but they weren't making any noise in the corridor, they were coming, they were eating in David's house, they were going again, making no disturbance whatsoever, and what came out was that nobody really wanted David to be living in the, in the block of flats, and this was a good way of getting rid of him. Um, and that was the point where I realized that the reason that he borrowed money was because he was going around every homeless person in the area, one by one, inviting them back for dinner. But when he invited them for dinner, it was a, a proper roast, not what he usually ate. And so he needed a little bit of extra money to make sure that he could do that. And he was about halfway around the local homeless people. That also explained the number of homeless people that were coming to our Alpha course. <laughs> because over dinner, he would um, do some fairly literal Bible bashing, uh, which he got away with because of who he was. And, um, and then he would say, you've got to come to the church. And he would bring loads of people, many of whom um, had lives that, that transformed once David was involved in their lives. Um, now, I wanted to say that um, we had some real issues occasionally with David because when he 
um, fell off the wagon and started drinking. He often had a psychotic episode after that. So, you know, one of my worst memories of my entire time at World's End was um, I lived upstairs in the church, so I didn't see what was happening outside in the car park beforehand, and people kept on nudging each other to say, should, should we tell him? <laughs> so eventually somebody said, I think you need to go and check out what's happening outside. And D David was there, and this was in the middle of the winter, with just his underpants on, standing on a ladder, shouting, um, you need Jesus, you. And there were some few extra words in there that I can't, can't repeat. And we had, to, we had to phone the police for his own safety. And that was a, a truly horrible moment, um, which he came through. Um, he had a few weeks off where I did church with him in his own house rather than him coming, and, um, and he came back to church. You're probably wondering what the picture is. <laughs> okay, so that, that's David. <laughs> um, one day, rather than asking for money, he said, can I borrow a table, a tablecloth, um, something to put a candle in, and some, some decent china? <laughs> Um, he said, okay. <laughs> and um, he went along the King's Road, and where you're seeing is outside the fire station on the King's Road in Chelsea, with thousands of people walking by, um, lots of whom took this photo and then put it through my door, and I don't even know who took the photo and, or why they knew that he came to our church. So um, this is Fire Station Paul, as he was known, who slept under the overhang of the fire station. Um, and David invited him time after time and time to come home with him, and he said, I can't go inside, I'm too used to sleeping outside. So David cooked lobster and champagne. <laughs> I, I need to point out that only Paul drank the champagne because of what I said earlier and sat there on the, in the middle of the King's Road under the fire station um, having lobster and champagne with fire station Paul um, during which David in his very unique style um, told Paul about Jesus and got out of him that the one thing that Paul missed was having um, post because he didn't have a mailbox and it was coming up to Christmas, and David knew that Paul's life was realistically fairly shortly coming to an end. So he went to uh, the woman who ran our um, Sunday school and said, could you get all the children to write a Christmas card to Fire Station Paul? And David got up at five in the morning, every morning, to deliver another Christmas card each day. And just behind where they're sitting, this row of cards appeared. About two months after this photo was taken, um, Fire Station Paul passed away, and about six months later, David died quietly in his own flat. But he died in his own bed, in his own home, while attending a church where he found family. And um, his funeral, which if you'd asked him, you'd think, he'd think that maybe me and my wife, if she could get a babysitter, would come. It was the biggest event that we ever had at our church, it was literally standing room only. Um, with people I knew, people I didn't know, people of every walk of life, we had everything from people who were literally sleeping rough around the corner to stockbrokers who worked in the city. And we did a brave thing called open mic <laughs> at the end, just to see, ask people to come and share their memories of David. And um, person after person came and said, this is the moment where David helped me. <laughs> this is how David helped me. <laughs> And yet he died with no money in his pocket because he just spent it on lobster and champagne. Um, but at peace with God and himself. Okay. Um, simple question. In, in the story, uh, so I, I forgot a really important part of the story. Um, <laughs> I wanted to give David Christmas dinner um, because um, a, a local church had contacted us saying we desperately want to give something at Christmas to people who are poor and to be honest we don't know any poor people and we think you do so we came up with this idea that they bought lots of amazing Christmas hampers and we delivered them um, to people who otherwise would have had virtually nothing at Christmas and David was top of our list when we went um, he said well firstly I've already bought my stuff at Christmas and secondly my oven's this big and that turkey is three times the size of it I, I couldn't possibly actually do it would you please give it to the family downstairs because I know that they're worried about money. If I take it to them, they're not going to accept it. But would you not tell them and just say it's from the church? Okay. Uh, who in the story is broken and why? Is the simple question. Who in the story is broken and why? Uh, 
both David and Paul are, are, are deeply broken. And um, in some ways, um, David never conquered the, the biggest thing, which was the alcohol. And yet, he did beautiful things. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So the person who had absolutely nothing and had to borrow a table and a tablecloth did this, and thousands of people who were millionaires walked past him every day and did nothing. Yeah. That's really broken, isn't it? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. So the family downstairs were broken because they couldn't accept and they couldn't see who. David was because of the way that he looked and because of his, his background, but he could see that they were broken and wanted to help. Okay. Yeah, I haven't got time to this, but it's a total. <laughs> is there a sliding scale of brokenness? <laughs> is there a sliding scale of brokenness? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you start thinking about it, um, we have also have different definitions of what those scales look like. So are you more broken because you have everything in, together or are you more broken because you wouldn't help somebody who has nothing? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. I was told that if I asked you a question, you would, would answer. So thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> okay. Um, th this is what the fire station looks like now, because I, I looked it up to see what had happened, and once Fire Station Paul had been moved on, they painted this bit, and then this is the place where he slept, and they just gently made it so that you couldn't sleep there as a homeless person anymore. All that happened was the, the nightclub that's about there has an, in, an indent, and people started sleeping there instead. It's the brokenness of um, rich Chelsea. <laughs> was far bigger than any brokenness that I saw in Manchester, if I'm honest. Okay. Oh, let me have a look. Um, so, so, so this is the tree that's growing there. It does look like it's part of the mural. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Um, I think that they ran a competition over the local school or something to design it, and then they, they painted it. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> it was, it's a nice idea. Well, well, they, they did make it look more beautiful. But, uh, okay. Um, so, so this is a, a, a Roma, as in gypsy village, in a place called Pavlovci in Slovakia, which um, is in the east of Slovakia. It's very close to the border with the Ukraine. Um, and through a strange set of circumstances, we ended up with a connection with um, this place and the church there. And um, this is the part of Renata's house that um, was safe to live in at, at the time. But, the, but this was her, her actual home, and that was typical of the people that we, we met. Um, the way that we met Renata was that um, people from Roma communities in Slovakia started moving to Derby, and then we ended up with a, a church on a Sunday afternoon um, that rent the space and are now our, our good friends. And we went back with them to Slovakia to see where they came from. You'll hear a bit more about that later. Um, but uh, this is Joseph, who now works with us three days a week um, doing ministry to um, Roma people. And again, these are the houses, which the first year that um, I went, nobody would let us come in the houses because they were too embarrassed. And the second time we went, they said, could you come and bless our house instead? Um, now, the, the reason I'm showing you these pictures is that these people are now all, all properly housed by an amazing charity from Poland who just wanted to make sure that people had decent housing. But what's shocking to me about this is that if you walk around the corner, you're in a very middle-class European place. Um, you could be in Ruddington. Um, and there's a wall, and then the other side, this is how people are living. And I just wanted to put the idea in your mind that, that brokenness can very simply be the circumstances that have been imposed on you that you have no control over whatsoever. And we'll come back to that when we look at the Good Samaritan again.
so I'm going to do something slightly unusual, which is why I'm taking my watch off to make sure that um, we haven't gone past lunch and dinner time and everything else. <laughs> um, I want us to, to think a bit more about the Good Samaritan. Um, and then I've been asked to try to um, explain about Derby Urban Church, uh, what it looks like and, and how, we, how we got there and what the connection between the two is. So again, if you can remember back to, to the reading, the teacher of the law asking Jesus um, a question. Um, Jesus, as he usually did, answered a question with another question. <laughs> and um, the teacher of the law gives a, a really wise answer. Uh, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus says, that's a great answer, um, he wants to justify himself. So he asks, well... Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the, the story of the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, being beaten by robbers of a, a priest and a Levite walking by, and then a Samaritan who would be the one expected to, to have hatred for the, for the Jewish man, stopping and helping. And then at the end, Jesus asking, so ask you again, who is my neighbor? What do you say? Um, Honestly, listening to all the characters in the, in the, in the reading, so the, the, the parable, but also the bit around it, who do you identify with? Because we usually tell a, a parable so you can see yourself in the story. Who would you honestly identify with? I might do this as a show of hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so, so how many of you would identify with the Good Samaritan? You might have really good reasons for that. <laughs> oh, you can be more than one, yes. So if you identify with the Good Samaritan, I'd put your hands up, okay? Interesting. Okay. Um, how many people would um, identify with the priest or the Levite? You? Okay. Ah, you, you see, you're ahead of me. This is really good. <laughs> Okay, so um, I was asked that question when I was 19 years old um, as a student in High Wycombe and I'd volunteered to go on this um, bus which was driven into the city centre that was meant to be to talk to the young people that hung around in the city centre. Um, they weren't interested but um, some homeless people were <laughs> and so I ended up sitting at the back of a bus talking to uh, an older homeless man who knew the Bible it turned out way better than I did and when he asked me the same question I confidently said uh, I, I don't identify with the Good Samaritan. I mean, after all, I've given up my evening <laughs> to sit here and talk to people. And um, he, he told me that God would show me quite how much like the priest and the Levite <laughs> I was, which he did over a period of about 20 years. It was a painful, painful lesson to learn. <laughs> and I don't have time to tell you all about it. Um, but that one day I would spend a lot of time with people who um, would identify with the man who was beaten up. And I didn't understand what on earth he was going on about. But the fact that I can still remember the, co the conversation over 30 years later gives you a clue as to how important that was. So would any of you identify with the man who was beaten up by robbers, having no control over what happens to you next, victim of your own circumstances? Okay. Yeah. Um, so if I ask the same question with um, Aussie Road Congregation of Derby Open Church at the moment... I, I think half of them would put their hand up <laughs> to give you an idea of the context that we minister in. Um, how many of you would identify with the robbers? <laughs> okay, so I've met quite a few people who would identify with the robbers. <laughs> um, tiny quick history lesson. Um, if I tell you that there was a great scandal that had gone on uh, just before Jesus' time, which was over the building of Herod's magnificent, amazing temple, which was one of the greatest works of the ancient world. Um, the way that he built his temple was that he took people who were um, farmers and fishermen and, and so on, away from their family businesses and forced them to come and work for um, virtually slave money to build the temple. And when they'd finished, he laid them all off, and they just ended up homeless in the local area. So the robbers may well have been those people who didn't know how else to make a living other than to rob people that were going from Jerusalem to Jericho, understanding that in Jericho was where they'd also built the beautiful place where the priest and the Levite lived whilst they ended up homeless. I don't know. 
would anybody identify with the teacher of the law? <laughs> um, asking God a reasonable question, getting an answer that you didn't want? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is what the parable in the end is all about. Um, because I, I love the detail at the end, that Jesus, when Jesus says, well, which one of them? Um, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. And the teacher of the law should have said, the Samaritan, but he can't bring himself to do it. So he says, well, the one who had mercy on him. So a question that the parable asks of us is, which group of people do we think are beyond our compassion and our help? Or why wouldn't we stop and be the good Samaritan to them? Why didn't those millionaires stop and help Fire Station pull? Why was the um, Renata and their family living in that place when around the corner there were people with, who owned two or three houses? And it was because of the way they saw them as not being of equal worth. So, Derby Urban Church, it's a strange name. <laughs> okay. Um, we were um, a Baptist church, and we still are, I should say, um, um, as known as Aussie Road. I think we were known for a few things. Um, we, we love lively music and honesty and openness. Um, we're set in one of the poorest areas in the country, which I didn't know before I moved to Derby. So in the wonderful index of multi-deprivation, um, Normanton, the area on the edge of um, where the church is, um, is in the bottom 2% and sinking. So about number 58 out of 33,000 areas in the country. Um, people are always very impressed that I lived in Moss Side for four years. Well, actually, Moss Side is now way in Manchester, is way more wealthy than, than Normanton is. Um, yeah, and it's also characterized by having people from um, all over the world. Um, so a long time ago, because my parents-in-law were missionaries, we um, reconciled ourselves to the fact that, that God was calling us to this country, and I only speak one language. And then God's joke on me is that he then brought the whole world to my doorstep. <laughs> and part of the journey has been to understand them properly, going back to where they have come from, because that helps us to see them as um, friends and people rather than as stereotypes, which is how they are often referred to. Okay, so we started on a new journey um, about six years ago, but it um, started officially in August 2020 when we closed um, Aussie Road Church and became a new CIO a charity and a church called Derby Urban Church, and Aussie Road became one of those congregations. Um, and the mentality is quite simple. We're one church, but we have many congregations and many ministries. And those congregations don't necessarily meet on a Sunday. And although we started out assuming that they would all be in Derby, then we've God had other ideas. Um, but roughly speaking, um, Chandra runs the trellis, which is the tree. And I'm in charge of the vine, which is all the, the leaves. And I get a very good deal out of that. <laughs> so if you want to understand how Derby Open Church really works, then um, talk to Chandra afterwards. So one church, many congregations. Um, our, our first value is more. So that simply we're always looking for what is the new thing that we can respond to that God wants us to do if we started with a complete blank slate? Because we don't have to stop doing anything else we're doing to do something new. And I couldn't work out how that could happen with an ever-growing number, number of leaves around the tree. And the answer is simply that it's always an investment in somebody who has a ministry or an idea. So we invented this idea for me to have lots of ideas. And at the moment, all I can do is keep up with other people who have ideas that we can help make happen. Okay. But more of what? Okay. So this is a mouthful, but this should all be stuff that's familiar to you. More expressions of God's kingdom. More people hearing the good news of salvation and transformation through Jesus. More people using their gifts of grace given by the Holy Spirit. More growing and learning together in Christ. More fun and laughter and celebration, because we've had some really difficult times over the years. More standing together through good and bad times as a united family. More serving and loving God. More loving each other and our neighbors. More time for worship, prayer, teaching, fellowship, and mission. And more growth by multiplying. 
So the most important part of the more is the way that we look to, rather than just trying to grow one big thing, instead we want to multiply smaller. They don't have to be small, but they need to be smaller. And uh, we, we took the model originally from a, an amazing church called Beacon Church in Stafford, and this is the one little pithy saying that they loved that I, I stole, which was, small enough to care and big enough to dare. <laughs> but they have to be all connected, otherwise the whole thing falls apart. And that's why Chandra is amazing <laughs> at helping to make that happen. Second value is one of belonging. Um, so there's a congregation that, um, that you will um, no doubt be, um, be your, your home. You know, and I have to recognize for me, Aussie Road is my home congregation. And um, that's where I pine to be when I'm not there. Um, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. But if you don't care about the everything else that's going on around it, then the whole model falls apart. So our belonging is formed by the fact that everybody deeply cares about the other things that are happening. So one of the early examples of that was we got to know um, this Roma congregation that rent our building on a Sunday afternoon. And so we went back to um, Slovakia um, so this is a knitting sewing project sorry, we did where Renata was one of the people. That's how we got to know about her house. And we taught a group of women who had nothing and are unemployable in a Roma village to, to sew. And they kept the stuff that wasn't great and they sold the stuff that was, was good and they made an income for the first time. And this is the church that we, um, we discovered. And this is... Pastor Marek, who um, now takes all of the Roma people who uh, flee from the Ukraine because there's um, incredible um, prejudice against Roma people in Eastern Europe, um, in your face racism. So when they arrive at the border, rather than being offered uh, um, some food and a blanket and saying, well done for making it, instead they say, what are you doing here? We don't want you. So the church in Pavlovci take every single Roma person that comes to the Ukrainian border and take, drives a bus every day. This was literally the church when we arrived, so we did some very literal church building. Um, and this there is, is Pastor Marek, who is the um, pastor of Zoe Church, who meet on, in our building on a Sunday afternoon. And then we're unashamedly urban, which is difficult to understand unless you just come and meet the, the people. So there's something about the fact that Derby Urban Church was always birthed in the urban, um, poorer, multicultural areas of Derby. And maybe one day we will have some congregations in the, in the suburbs, I don't know. But if that were to happen, we would still own the fact that we started out in the inner city. Whereas my experience over the years is that usually suburban churches try to do something in the inner city, um, but without necessarily moving in. And so... When I've spoken to people at ministers' meetings over the years, um, people have loved the story of what I've done, and then they've realized that I have a family. <laughs> and then it's been, well, how can you have brought up a family in, in these places? And the answer was, well, alongside everybody else who's brought up a family in these places. The difference is that I got to choose, and most of the people that I've lived next door to don't. And there was something absolutely wonderful and beautiful <laughs> about the urban setting in which we find ourselves with the people. Um, and that's why we try to represent that with this picture of urban derby. <laughs> okay. um, two Bible passages that have been very important to us is mustard seeds. is the, just the idea that God loves to grow what is small and insignificant. And so we're constantly trying to plant mustard seeds. And the vine is that we have to stay connected to God and each other, otherwise everything falls apart. All the stuff that we know really well, but we find very difficult to actually put into practice like the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay. So, so that's, that's Derby Urban Church. And what I'm going to do now is go through a whole lot of things really quickly because um, if we don't show you pictures of people, then you don't get a flavor of what we're actually doing. Okay. So I'm sorry that you won't take that much of this in, but it will be fine. So we started out as a multi-congregational church with one, with one congregation. <laughs> which doesn't work, <laughs> okay. But we very quickly added three 
So um, Friends United in Jesus um, meets before a um, homeless meal on a Thursday evening. Um, it started as an alpha course and we just never stopped meeting. Um, so Thursday, 4.30, we have Friends United in Jesus. Um, City Youth Church is a Roma youth congregation led by Joseph, whose picture you saw earlier and you'll see again. Um, and is for any young people who want to come, but, but it is basically Roma people who come. Now, um, the people who come to that congregation um, might have been born in places like Slovakia, but Derby is home and English is the language that they want to speak. So um, having that congregation is really helpful for what will happen in the future and they're just starting to um, start the next generation of, of young people who will see Derby as the place that they were born as well as home. And then Bolton Lane is um, a small Baptist church that can't afford a minister that's in the next bit of like open poverty going south from us, uh, an area called Alverston. Um, and in um, August 2020, as well as starting um, Derby Urban Church, I became their um, part-time minister officially while we joined things together. Um, all we're doing is waiting for the Baptist Union solicitors to do whatever they've been doing for the last year um, and finish it so that we can amalgamate the finances and, and everything else. So those are our, our four congregations. So this is um, Aussie Road congregation on a Sunday morning. Um, we've uh, seen a lot of growth in the last um, six months, um, particularly with people from Nigeria, um, which has, has been a beautiful part of our, our story, and it means that we're more representative of the local community. Uh, here's a few people, and um, I wasn't sure why I'd put this slide in, and maybe the beginning of the service is good, because this is Reza, who is, um, came to us as an Iranian asylum seeker who's now won his case and um, has a job and is part of a Baptist church in Devon, which is where the job was. So our own sadness was that at the point where everything was, was done and he was in the right place, um, then he, he had to leave us because of, the, because of work. Um, this is Friends United in Jesus. It, this was just after lockdown. <laughs> Um, so now we meet in a, in a curve, if you're with me. <laughs> so we were more than two metres apart and all looking nervous. Um, so um, the, the thing that's, that's remarkable about this congregation is that they, um, a lot of them used to be um, people who came to the storehouse, the homeless meal, after it as, as a punter, and, and now a lot of them volunteer for it in, instead. Um, we keep things very simple. We, we sing songs and videos. Um, we usually go through the, the Bible by using the visual Bible. So you've got the Bible word for word, but it's acted out. So we've stuck with the structure of Alpha that we accept that we have food at the end rather than the beginning. Um, and uh, that congregation has been going for a few years now. And I was uh, deeply impressed that it survived lockdown because getting keeping contact with people who didn't have an address, never mind uh, any internet, was difficult during those times. Um, this is uh, CYC, um, doing what they love to do, which is go out and tell people about Jesus constantly, <laughs> at all times. Um, very challenging for us because um, we've had to, well, sorry, Joseph has had to talk to them about approaching people at the right time, because if they go out for a coffee in town, then that's just another excuse to go and tell people who weren't interested. <laughs> That they're absolutely insistent that we just want everybody to hear the message of the gospel. But I, I also find that very, very challenging. Okay. And then um, this is the, the outside of, of, of Bolton Lane, because I wanted to show you some, some, some people. It's a, it's a very uh, small church and small congregation, um, but they have a massive heart for the community and do loads of things midweek. Okay, so that's our, our four proper duck congregations. Okay. So an evangelistic congregation is we're trying to work out at what point this would be a congregation. Um, so we have a connection, we have something happening, but it's not, um, we can't say that it's church yet. So this is the inside of, of Bolton Lane, um, where they have a thriving girls' brigade on a Tuesday and scouts on a Wednesday. And so the, the difference of mentality for Derby Urban Church was that rather than 
having spent decades trying to get the families to come to church on Sunday morning when all of them go and play football or visit Gran or whatever it is. They were already made a home on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night, so we take church to them. So at the moment, this looks like a, a family service, and the only issue that, uh, that we've had with that is that you can't get everybody in the building. So now I have to do it on Tuesday and then again on a Wednesday night. But you need to understand that 90% of the people who come to that aren't Christians, I like to say, yet. So what it looks like long term, we will see. And it has a lot of um, influence by, by Messy Church. We do things, uh, we do crafts. We get people um, to make videos about the Christian faith. I get people who aren't Christians yet to have to do the research themselves because that gets them to read the Bible. And then they make um, amazing videos about Christian stories. So that's an evangelistic congregation. <laughs> then one of our ministries is called School of the Holy Spirit. So this is, again, aimed at um, young Roma potential leaders because there is absolute revival happening amongst Roma people. Um, you know, I really am not an evangelist, but if I go and do an evangelistic talk in a Roma village in Slovakia, not knowing the culture that well and using a translator, um, 15 people will come to Christ. <laughs> And when I go back a year later, they will be there in the church still. I mean, there was an amazing movement of God, but no, none of the churches in those countries are interested because they don't want Roma people around. Okay, so Joseph had this great dream of raising up leaders for the future because suddenly you have a whole lot of people and nobody to lead them. The great surprise to me, but I now realize wasn't a surprise to Joseph, was that um, I thought we were only going to be helping people that were already in a Roma church. So our first group of students were all from Zoe Church and are now um, part of the leadership team there. But in Stoke and Ostrava is in the Czech Republic, um, we found that there was a group of people gathered around somebody who didn't feel like they could lead the church and no other church connection. And so we have two School of the Holy Spirit congregations. Um, so, so this is School of the Holy Spirit. This is the days when we did it at um, Derby University. Now we do it um, in the church. Um, this is um, Aneta and her husband Miro, um, who lead the congregation in Stoke. This is the, um, the scout hall that we've recently been able to finally find a place that would, would rent um, a space to Roma people. And we were just about to baptize uh, people. This time, there's Dylan being baptized, <laughs> along with five other people. And a few weeks later, he came with me and Joseph to Ostrava, where, where this is what a baptism looks like there. Um, in the Czech Republic, it's very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter, so I don't know what we do if we want to baptize somebody in October. Um, but this was my first experience of a river baptism. <laughs> okay. um, so this is Bushko. Um, who is the uh, trainee pastor there doing the School of the Holy Spirit, and this is Pepe, who's kind of the, the deacon who makes everything happen. Um, and I can only communicate these, to these people with Joseph because he speaks six languages, and I, I speak one or two if you include speaking in tongues. Okay. So, so we have two School of the Holy Spirit congregations. Then we have two what we call associate congregations. So um, Zoe Church was the original um, Roma church that is still thriving and meeting with, um, on a Sunday afternoon at Aussie Rhodes building. And GLAM stands for Global Light Apostolic Ministries and is an African and Indian very small church but with a massive ministry of doing um, radio broadcasts for places where people in the world who can't get to church. So they do the same sermon in um, an African language that I don't know, uh, French, English, and then Punjabi, um, for whoever out there is listening, uh, which is usually hundreds of people, but how you then make contact with them is a, is a question. So if... Um, if the thing the surprise about these congregations is that they're not in Derby and the church is called Derby Urban Church, then the thing about these congregations is um, when I say, are they Baptist, they would say yes because they, they're part of Derby Urban Church, but they wouldn't understand what that is. <laughs> and we're still working on that. More, more importantly, they don't understand what a charity is, so we're going on a journey with them to see where that works. So when you put it on a structure diagram, it makes no sense. When you meet the people, it makes complete sense. <laughs> okay. So the most important thing is that we said, well, we'll do some ministries with them, which will also help them to understand um, what a charity is. So um, with um, 
with Zoe Church, we've restarted the, the thing of going um, and ministering to Roma people in Slovakia, where people came from, but now they get to lead it and we get to join in, which is the healthy way of doing it. Because um, I keep on getting phone calls from people who want to do Roma ministry, and what they've done is they've appointed somebody who's English who needs to understand Roma culture, and I, I'm thinking, why don't you just find out who's leading the Roma church that's already there and see how you can help rather than us thinking that we need to be in charge of what we know nothing about. And then um, Chandra has put a huge amount of work into having a Roma warm space um, at Aussie Road once a week. So the uh, local authority have um, funding to, um, to get people inside during the, the winter because of the cost of living crisis and also to make sure that they get food and energy vouchers. And um, on a Wednesday evening in beautiful chaos, the uh, church is now absolutely full of Roma women coming and cooking for Roma people and this amazing meal that they do together. We're going to do that till the end of March. Um, and then Heart for India is one of the people who's part of GLAM is Pastor Raj, who is from the Punjab. Um, he used to run a small Asian fellowship which didn't survive COVID, but he felt that God was telling him to do something more with the people that he knew in India. So I went with him to India last March and saw the church that meet in the house that he owns there and all the different people that he was um, encouraging. And so we have a, a ministry that enables him to go and enable things to happen in India. So, um, so this is Zoe Church meeting. Um, they have a wonderful tradition of when you get baptized, you all dress in white, um, which maybe we will start doing that one day, I don't know. Um, this is uh, pictures from Roma Warm Space. You can never guess what's going to turn up. So all of a sudden we had, a, had live music. We didn't know that was going to happen, but it was amazing. Um, and there's Pastor Marek, who, who leads Zoe Church. Um, that's also Pastor Marek. And this is the place that he came from when he moved to Derby. So um, about 20 years ago, um, he'd managed to get a job, which is a remarkable thing in Slovakia because people just won't employ you if you're Roma. Um, he was renting a place and had proper appliances and, and everything. And then one day the police came to his house and said, oh, we're moving all the Roma people to this other place. So there's, um, Sabanov is like this, there's a big hill. There's now a big Roma church on top of the hill. At the bottom of the hill, there's a wall. And this was what they built behind the wall. And he was forcibly moved into there with his family, which was the day he decided that he had to leave. But his cousin still runs the church at the top of the hill, which is huge and thriving and um, amazing. But this is how the people live. Um, so we, this was us taking um, food parcels um, to the people, uh, having done a, a service outside in the, in the freezing cold. And this was the house church that we spoke at and we and we visited. Um, so none of the local churches and none of the local authority buildings will hire a place to Roma people. Um, they just tell them to go away. So I think there were 100 people in this house. Um, this is just a sample of the worship. And if I'd been able to stay till Sunday, 26 of these people were baptized the following Sunday in the church in Sabanov. Oh, I can't stop it. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you get your free view. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think we might need to down arrow to stop them. There we go. Have we go up one? <laughs> There we go. Um, so this is Matthew and Agnes, who um, run um, Global Light Apostolic Ministries, and Pastor Raj, who likes to get out of the camera way, <laughs> um, is, uh, is kind of helping to lead them. Um, th this is the home that his parents left him, so they've made a church in that building, and once a year they do a, a conference. And I always have the problem that I have to take the photo long before most people arrive, uh, because I'm then speaking. <laughs> with me. So all of this area was full by the time we started. Um, and this is a, um, 
a forgotten about small village on the edge of um, a, a, the nearest big town, which is called Ludiana, where there are 2,000 children who are living in a, in a slum. <laughs> Um, not in school because they're told that their hygiene isn't good enough, but neither is there any way to make their hygiene better. So this is Pastor Roger's friend, Pastor Balbia, who um, runs a church in Ludiana, and then he is uh, running a ministry. Um, some of the younger people in his church, um, these three guys, three times a week, go to... Um, this part of Ludiana that everybody's forgotten about. And they do a meal for the children and their families, and they do old-fashioned Sunday school, <laughs> um, maths, English, other, other languages, and Jesus. <laughs> okay. Um, so th the thing we said about belonging and connection, when I told this story to the people at Bolton Lane, which on the diagram you'll see at the end, in my mind, is as far, far disconnected as you can get, because most of the people at Bolton Lane have no reason to know people at Aussie Road, never mind people who are part of GLAM. But um, Bolton Lane said, we, we will support this. Um, and they, they send money every month to make it happen. So there's a connection between that and that, via that and via that. So the belonging thing happens by telling the story of the people on the edges. Then there are ministries that Aussie Road in particular was known for for years. So we still do a lot of work with homeless people. Um, we still go into local schools um, every week. Um, we started a ministry called Hooked, which is um, a fishing ministry about just getting alongside people um, while they're fishing. You can talk and pray with them. And then we've started social enterprises that have two aims. One is about trying to get um, people who are broken back into employment. And the second aim is to uh, raise some funds to pay for all of this because money is always an issue for us. Um, so there's Storehouse Christmas Special. This is the thing that happens straight after Fudge. Um, we now get 70 or 80 people um, coming and having a, a meal every Thursday evening. Um, there's an overlap, but we also have a similar number coming at lunchtime to a project called Matter. Um, the local schools, um, we've been going and do school, school assemblies and craft clubs and IT clubs for the entire time that I've been there. And then three or four times a year they come to the church, which is when it's most full. Uh, we have three social enterprises. One is running an eBay hub, um, so it's taking and selling things on eBay. Um, Transform Car Valeting was a, a mission by um, a guy called Steve, who's part of um, Friends United in Jesus, where he's teaching homeless people how to do high-end car valeting, as opposed to the throwing a sponge at a windscreen that I remember when I was in London. And used upcycling is taking um, uh, things that are about to be thrown up and upcycling them to either keep in the church or to, to sell. Um, so there's Steve, who works for us one day a week. Um, and, and runs all of the, the social enterprises. Um, this, this is in Green Pastures Homeless Hostel, which is five minutes' walk from the, from the church, and our first set of um, people who graduated the course, and I think we're going to do our sixth course this year. Um, here's some things that have been upcycled. This is your finding the entrance way to the church, and these two things were, were sold on Facebook. But this is what upcycling is really about, because um, this is the newest person who walked through the door of the church two weeks ago, um, and he, his situation is very difficult, um, and he's very young and very difficult to help. But um, he came and made this during used, and that the help the help to his mental health is absolutely huge. And hooked. Um, it's very simple. You go and fish. You go and talk. <laughs> we get um, Derby City Mission that um, I've worked with for, for years have a ministry for people who are um, homeless and finding it most difficult to move on to get people alongside them. So one of the places they come to is, is hooked because you get the quiet and the peace. So you get the time to talk with people, listen properly and pray with them. Okay. This is the final click, honestly. <laughs> 
So for 10 years, I've wanted to run a Christian, overtly Christian recovery course. Um, and next week, we're finally starting it um, as a 15-week as a program. So it's the 12-step program for coming out of addiction, but overtly Christianized. So your higher power is Jesus and, and so on. Um, and we're hoping that that will um, build in a new group of people. And these are things that are simply on the wish list. So that's the new venture of the recovery course. If you want to pray for that, it's happening a week on Tuesday. And um, we find that at the last minute, people who really need to come find lots of reasons not to. So if you want to pray for one thing, it will be that people come to week one of the recovery course. Um, I said the value more is about investing in people. So actually, you'll notice that my name is barely on this list. It's on the what are we going to do about the fact that we have lots of people online at lots of things, but we don't know how to to contact them or know even where they are. Um, but actually, the ministry is investing in all of those people. And finally, because people always ask me about numbers, <laughs> so the thing I'd like you to notice is that um, this would be one of the biggest congregations of Duck. Okay, we, we are multiplying smaller things. And the biggest thing we have has virtually no, no people who are actually Christians coming to it but it adds up to something much bigger which means that when somebody comes and says I've got a problem there's usually somebody in one of the congregations or ministries that can help them and usually when somebody comes and says I've got an idea um, they add but it'll start very small and we'll say that's how we prefer to do things because that means we'll actually do the thing with people properly okay so finally because I have gone over my time <laughs> Um, the, the, Bruce is the equivalent of David Reese from London in, in Derby Urban Church so um, before the pandemic um, we were the, the heart of the Derby Night Shelter project so we first um, met Bruce as somebody who was um, begging to solve his alcohol problem um, he came to church um, and he made the second ever, that's number two contribution to the £50,000 we needed to raise for the night shelter the first one was Chandra's mum, who gave £5. And at this point, we had £5 and 65p of the £50,000 that we, we needed. But it was every penny that he had in his pocket. By the time the night shelter opened, he'd lost his housing. So literally, he slept in the church. Um, he eventually went to uh, re rehab in another city. Um, and he came back to Aussie Road to be baptised, because that was where his faith began. Um, but um, on the day he finally got in a, um, a taxi to go to the rehabilitation centre in Reading, that was the last day that he had a drink. Um, and he spent the last years of his life occasionally coming back to Aussie Road, usually bringing a couple of people from Reading with him. And um, he, he went round, he was known as the sandwich man, because he would go around everybody who was stuck in their homelessness saying, if I can do it, you can do it, <laughs> with that simple message. And um, he also died quietly in his sleep, um, in his own place, in his own bed, in Reading, and entirely sober. And um, the difference between this man and this man is the difference that Jesus, plus a lot of walking with him, and a lot of stopping and putting up with him when he made mistakes, and um, when he behaved badly, to see the person that he could become in Christ. You know, that is actually what Derby Urban Church is about. Thank you for listening for so long. God bless you. <laughs>